0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code Wondery at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: What's up, guys? The 2020 NFL Draft Review episode is brought to you by me. Because we don't have a sponsor for this particular episode. We're between sponsors right now. We're just we just want to see other sponsors right now. Anyway, my guess for this episode, back from uh Back and now that you know in in his poise, coital uh, draft state, uh, Scott Wright from DraftCountdown.com, gonna break down the uh, the draft in general. We talk a bit about what the Packers did in taking um, uh, Love, who's I can't think of his Jordan Jordan Love first uh, first round uh, traded up to get him uh, and everything and um, overall what the Packers did. And this is not a Packer show, so we don't devote. You know, an hour of time to the Packers, but we talk about the Bears, the other draft picks uh, in general, and uh, yeah, just have some uh, overall fun with it. So uh, so to hell with this. No, no ad-reading nonsense. Let's get right to it. It's the draft review episode of the Bears Talk Underground, so let's get to it. Well, here we are in our post-draft haze and uh, we're, we're a week removed uh, from the 2020 NFL draft and uh, they've had uh, teams have had time, including our beloved Chicago Bears, to sign their undrafted rookie free agent class to go along with whatever draft choices they were able to muster over the weekend last week and uh, Scott Wright will be joining us here in a few minutes to give his take. On the Bears draft and, and how they felt with their draft choices, I will share my insights uh, as well. And um, like I said in the intro, we talk a bit about um, who had the best draft, whose draft choices he didn't like, and uh, why some teams like the Steelers and the Ravens always seem to, um, you know, A, are, are, are historically successful year in and year out, and, and that's uh, greatly due in part to the, the, the success that they have in the draft and, and where that success. Uh, Comes from. But um, before we get to the draft discussion uh, with Scott, uh, we got some transaction, some post draft transaction news uh, for our beloved uh, Chicago Bears. Uh, For starters, we uh, let go of Dax Raymond, uh, who was actually one of our prized undrafted rookie free agents from a year ago. Uh, Spent the season on the practice squad. If I'm not mistaken, he was on the roster like maybe the last week or two. Uh, of the season. I don't know if he caught any passes. Uh I think he was overtaken by Jesper Horstead Um you know, during the season, Horstead was the one that was brought up to the active roster sooner. He caught one of the two touchdown passes that our tight ends caught uh last year and uh the Bears I guess hold him in higher favor than Dax Raymond uh who was uh, let go uh just after the draft on the 27th. And um the other transaction news, John Jenkins, uh, who was who had been with the Bears uh, previously, signed a one-year deal uh, with the Bears. Um, and then we got some, some uh, I guess, some guys that were either cut or not picked up by other teams in free agency. Uh, wide receiver Trevor Davis. Um, the graphic that I saw, I saw him in a Dolphins uniform in the announcement that I saw online. I don't know if that was the last team that he was with. He signed a one-year deal. With the Bears. He's a speed guy along with this other guy whose name I know you'll recognize. Ted Ginn Jr. signs a one year deal uh with the Bears as well. And, you know, we all know that Ted Ginn's calling card is his speed, even though he's going into his fourteenth year uh in the league. So will he make the roster? That's one question. But uh he's going to the he I guess he feels like the Bears are his best shot. He was with the Saints. Uh, last year, had some success down there with uh, Breeze and, and company, uh, has decided to come up to Chicago to uh, maybe give it one last go. I mean, this is a guy that was drafted, in, what, 2006, 2007, something like that, uh, this being his 14th year uh, in the league. And, um, you know, it, it was the one of the things on offense was that we wanted to get faster, and we thought that maybe we were doing the opposite by getting rid of Taylor Gabriel, who I think was regarded as the fastest guy on the team, but adding uh, Ted Ginn and, and uh, Mooney from our six-round pick uh, out of uh, out of Tulane. And then these two guys, Trevor Davis and Ted Ginn, uh, that's certainly kicking up the speed uh, a bit uh, on, the, uh, on the roster. So we'll see if these guys can make the team and be contributors and add to the speed uh, that Nagy wanted. But uh, that's what these guys are best known for. And then we, after after not picking one in the draft, we got ourselves a safety in uh, Tayshawn Gibson, uh, who was on my wish list. I think the last two times he hit free agency, uh, when he started, he started his career with the Browns when he was becoming a free agent. I wanted the Bears to grab him. Then he went, and then he went from, I think he went to, he went to uh, Jacksonville first. That's who he signed with instead of coming to Chicago. I don't know if the Bears discussed anything with him but then uh he was he actually signed a new free agent deal last year with the uh houston texans who cut him after only one season so after helping the texans make the playoffs last year uh he was let go by the texans the bears picked him up in the uh post-draft uh scramble and um you know i, I would say he's got to, he's got to be the favorite to be the uh to be the other safety back there with eddie uh eddie jackson uh, right now so three very interesting uh four if you count john Jenkins, but th- three very interesting uh, signings for the bears uh, just came across the wire th- uh, yesterday that Deion sims is retiring um was not exactly a good free agent signing for us we actually cut him before the start of last season and he didn't play uh in 2019 so he's calling it a career and then the big news the big news and and I guess depending on your point of view, it's more of a, a sigh of relief. Uh, for some people, it'll be a sigh of relief. For for others, it'll be confirmation of what they n- knew all along and all that kind of stuff. The Bears officially declined Mitch Trubisky's fifth-year option uh, on Saturday. So um, that would be yesterday. This is Sunday night that I'm uh, recording the last of this to get it posted. But um, so this is it. This is do or die uh for mitch trubisky will it be uh will he be kyle fuller and make the most of his fourth year and end up coming back and uh maybe force the bears to have to franchise him uh next year before we have to sign him to a big money uh deal or will he be kevin white and just uh kind of sort of be on the roster for the fourth and final year of his contract before going off into the nfl sunset who knows who knows but uh I think that, um, you know, we're going to find out who Mitch Trubisky really is, and I and I know that most of you probably think you know uh, already, and I, I'm probably one of those people that based on what we've seen in the first three years, we know what we have in Mitch, but he's also facing something he's never faced before now. Uh, we brought in Nick Foles, and um, uh, everybody keeps going nuts about the different quarterbacks, like, um, uh, Jameis Winston signed for a million dollars with the Saints you know oh well we could have had Jameis Winston for a million dollars yeah and all 35 of his interceptions uh, on top of it that's yeah that's exactly what we needed there uh, a guy that turns over the ball five times more than Mitch did last year that's exactly what we need Uh, you know well Cam Newton uh, eventually got cut and then of course over the weekend Andy Dalton got cut so and we gave up a fourth round pick and x amount of dollars for uh nick Foles. it's like well the free the 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 draft chick the draft pick that we used was compensatory so it was kind of a gift from the nfl and uh the the money that nick Foles was traded to us for has been pared down he eventually he uh, initially had three years and 51 million left on his contract he renegotiated terms with the bears it's a three-year 24 million dollar contract now and he actually if if things swing in nick Foles' direction and he's our starter and things go well he can opt out of the last two years of the contract and be a free agent next year so it in in for all intents and purposes it's a one-year eight million dollar contract which is about what mitch is making in the final year of his rookie deal uh as well so it's a straight-up competition. They say that they're going to give Mitch the benefit of the doubt and let him be the first one in the huddle. And this is something that he hasn't faced before. It's in When he was a rookie in 2017, it was his job. It, he was the heir apparent. It was going to be his job. Everybody knew that. And obviously he was forced into duty much sooner than I think any of us wanted to uh, see him out there. 2018, he goes into the season knowing he's the man. Same thing uh, in 2018. 19 it was always his job chase daniel was never a threat to take the job from him even though at times chase played better uh than mitch did the um the job was always his it was never a threat that he wouldn't be the starting quarterback of the chicago bears and now it is not only is he in danger of not being the starter day one for the bears in 2020 he's in in desperation mode now or he has to be because he's in danger of being unemployed a year from now. When the new league year starts in March of 2021, he'll be a free agent, you know, and if he doesn't play well during this season and and step up and, you know, if he's being the first man in the huddle, it's his job. He's going to have to fight to keep it because I, I, you best believe the bears are going to do everything they can to give Nick Foles a chance to take it from him you know it's not going to be one of those things where they wait for mitch to give it away they're going to give nick Foles a chance to take it and uh, that's what they mean by the open uh competition will mitch be able to step up will he be able to rise to this challenge now that he's got somebody nipping at his heels legitimately someone who is regarded as being better than him now i mean that's a consensus league-wide nick Foles is a better quarterback Uh, than Mitch Trubisky, which is why everybody league-wide thinks that Nick Foles is the starter right now, and that saying that Mitch is going to be the guy day one is just uh, window dressing. So can Mitch step up? Will he be the guy? And it's just, um, I said back in 2018, I believe, going into the the season, that um, the legacy uh, of Mitch Trubisky is failure all his own you know at times his offensive i mean last year you know in 2019 his offensive line was not was not very good for him it didn't help with the running game was shaky at times in pass protection but you're going to find that all along, all over the league but Mitch was set up for success he had Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, Taylor Gabriel Uh, and everything he had uh, Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen come out of the backfield he had a top five defense on the other side he literally had every advantage that Jay Cutler wishes he had when he was in Chicago Uh, because it always just seemed to be that the teeter-totter was never even it was either up on one side or up on the other because when the defense was awesome his top three receivers were Johnny Knox Devin Hester and and whoever they had dragged off of the street, we had Greg Olson for a song. But then we had an offensive coordinator who didn't like tight ends, so we got rid of him. Awesome move uh, on on that part. And uh, <laughs> you know, when we had even when we had Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey, that's when all of a sudden the defense got old overnight and failed. You know, when we became an offense that was one of the top offensive units in the league. All of a sudden, we had a defense where we're trying. We have to score 35 points because our opponents are are averaging 31 uh, each game. So it never really worked out for Jay. That's why there's more what if scenarios surrounding Jay Cutler than there ever will be for Mitch Trubisky. The the true what if scenario for Mitch is what if Cody Parkey makes that field goal against the Eagles? Would Mitch Trubisky be a starting quarterback in the Super Bowl in 2018? Because I have no I have no doubts, no reservations whatsoever saying if we get past Philly, we go to LA to play the Rams the week after that, and then we're either going into super into the Superdome to face a team uh, with the Saints that just got beat up by the Cowboys, or we're we're going home to Chicago to face a Cowboys team that just beat the Saints. So playing the Cowboys at home for the NFC championship game, I'll take the Bears all day, especially in twenty eighteen uh you know seven and one at home uh during the regular season i would have loved our chances uh to win that one so beating the patriots in the super bowl that's something altogether but you know if uh if we get past philly we're in the super bowl that's the big what if you know do we actually do it that's what everybody thinks what would have happened even the experts <laughs> the bears were they looked pretty damn good uh in 2018 that's like the main what if in mitch trubisky's uh career and now it's it's going to be what what is he going to do? Can can he step up and and become the man? Can he reclaim his job and keep his job throughout the season? That's the other thing. Not only does he have to win it to be the starter day one, he has to play well enough to to stay on the field. Because you know he's going to have the shortest leash in the world if he comes in like the first game, first maybe two games or uh, or whatever, and he's still missing wide open receivers and overthrowing overthrowing guys and putting it at the feet of somebody who's six feet away and and things like that Nagy's going to pull the trigger and, and throw uh foals uh in there so he'll be under fire all season long he won't be able to relax if he wins the job and starts week one against whoever our week one opponent is the schedule's still not out so um that's going to be the real question so what does Mitch Trubisky want his legacy to be does he want to be the guy that, uh, when his feet were finally held to the fire, that uh, he finally became a man and took over and became the leader and quarterback that we drafted him second overall uh, to be? Uh, will he quiet all of the uh, doubters who've said the Bears were nuts to take him instead of Watson uh, or Mahomes, uh, who have done nothing in their careers except to make the Bears look silly uh, for that move? You know, can he be a guy that is at least? On par, or can you know, at least turn some people over to say, you know what? Actually, it turned out not to be a bad move for the Bears at all. He struggled early, but uh, eventually he snapped into it and it became one hell of a quarterback. We'll have to see. You know, I'm rooting for him, I am, I really am, because his success means the Bears succeed, period. You know, and uh, that's what that's what we all want here. So, um, you know, and if all else fails there and Mitch is the man and he's our starting quarterback. We're not going to have to lose any sleep on if anything happens to Mitch and the best, you know, the best backup quarterback in the league uh, ends up having to play in his spot uh, for a few games or, or something uh, like that. So, like I said, I feel like this is a win-win, you know, because even if Foles wins the job and he becomes the starter and he goes out there and plays well or, God forbid, he doesn't play well and, and Nagy throws Mitch in there, now you have a motivated Mitch who doesn't want to give his job back. We'll see what that guy looks at like i honestly don't see like it may not translate into wins and losses guys you know which is the kind of the messed up part here but uh you know i i do think that the bears are win-win for 2020 in their quarterback situation because it you're you're gonna have a motivated guy one way or the other if it's Foles' job this guy's out there trying to make sure that he can void those last two years so he can go out and get paid one more time before he wraps it up uh, in his career and mitch is trying to keep his job in chicago to stay the guy that the bears draft or to become the guy the bears drafted him to be and, and maybe earn his own big uh quarterback payday so uh, this is uh going to be what, uh, what we're headed to in 2020 and uh we'll see who steps up who's going to get the job who's going to be the man and who's going to stay the man in, in in 2020 that's the real question so anyway that's all i got for uh for news and notes Let's go ahead and bring in our good friend Scott Wright and discuss the 2020 NFL Draft and what he thought of how the Bears and the rest of the league did this year. Here we are on the first day of May, a full week and change removed from the uh, NFL draft uh, taking place, and, and all of the teams in the league have had time to sign their undrafted rookie free agents trying to fill out the remainder of their 90-man roster to get ready for a season that we all hope is taking place on time. And of course, here to help us uh, you know, talk about some of these undrafted guys and, and the majority of the Bears draft, which was the last five choices in rounds five and seven, the draft guru himself, Scott Wright. Scott, welcome back, man.
0: It's good to be back with you, Larry.
1: So, real quick, you know, it's uh, the it, it was definitely a draft unlike any other, uh, with Goodell calling not just the first round but like day two and or uh, second and third round picks from his his basement or living room or whatever it was. Um, what did you think of the draft overall, the presentation and stuff like that?
0: I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I think it was fun. It was a little break from the norm, and I, I you know my favorite favorite moment from the whole draft is like late on day two and Roger Goodell is just kind of laid back in his chairs leg yeah. up on the chair reading cards
1: yeah he like was he's done just lounging at, that point. at home yeah
0: yeah you know it, it, it gave you a little bit more insight into the, the lives of some of these coaches and decision makers so, you know I don't know if most people are like me but when I see a coach or a general manager doing an interview on TV I don't even watch it because I know they're not going to say anything they're not gonna give any insight they're gonna walk walk on eggshells to make sure they don't say anything controversial so it was kind of fun to get to see a different side of them with their family and their pets and you know the other thing too i hope teams kind of take from this going forward and it sounds like they might is i'm all for working hard but there's a fine line there's a point of diminishing returns and when you hear these guys that are uh, at the office 23 and a half hours a day sleeping on the couch they don't see their family for two weeks straight i mean you know i i I think there's a a middle point where where teams can find uh find a happy medium there and i think they, they kind of realize that so i'm sure the the nfl and the teams are going to incorporate some of the lessons they learned from this unique situation in a year uh into future years but i guess maybe the biggest surprise of the whole draft for me was just how smooth the whole thing went i yeah. mean uh, other than them bringing up what was going on you wouldn't really know that it was <laughs> such a unique year for the draft i mean it was all pretty seamless and who knows maybe there's some horror stories behind the scene where teams had communication I'm issues sure, or yeah. but but I mean, by and large, they did a, If there were, they did a good job of uh, of covering it up because it kind of went without a hitch.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't. Uh, I think uh, they said that there weren't any. Like, they maybe they had a glitch here and there, but nothing that caused the clock to have to be paused while a team was on. Like, it wasn't happening to a team that was on the clock, so they didn't have to pause it, so that they didn't lose any time trying to fix the problem uh, or, or anything uh, like that. And I found it interesting. Uh, as well, with uh, you know, being able to see the you know how some of these guys were doing it. I mean, and it, it's really funny. Everybody talked about Cliff Kingsbury's house and that palace that it, he apparently lives in. But then the you know the the best coach in the league right now, you know, seemed to be like in the smallest room in any house, uh, at a, just a plain wooden table. Where the biggest joke was that one time they cut to him and it was Dog sitting in his chair. Uh, I'm talking about Belichick, of course. You know, and it just to see the variance of, of what these guys were doing. Bear fans got a kick out of the of Matt Nagy's room uh, that was plastered with all of his play cards uh, and everything. I read a meme on Twitter that said this room is covered in the plot to kill Mitch Trubisky, which I thought was hilarious. That's just a great joke. <laughs> and uh, and thing. you know, I, I did find all of that interesting. Uh, honestly, I didn't miss the pageantry. Uh, of of everything, uh, it, it just uh, it, you know I didn't really miss it. it. It's fun to have it, but I didn't miss it uh, either. So you know, it just uh, the draft is what the draft is, and that's selecting the players and introducing these guys to their future.
0: And, and we'll see a few years down the line. Maybe we'll look back on this and say, "Oh my goodness, they all screwed up. They needed these meetings with teams. Yeah, they needed." Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you know, I, I tend to think it might be a, end up being a net positive. I think sometimes on draft day. You just get too many cooks in the kitchen. You have sure. too many opinions. You have too many voices. Uh, you know, this kind of streamlined it a little bit. And for better or worse, I guess we'll see, like I say, in a few years. But, um, you know, I, I think teams and the decision makers kind of had to go back to basics and rely on, on their eyes, rely on their scouts, and rely on their guts a little more um, rather than maybe being swayed. So so we'll see how it turns out. And as I said, maybe we'll look back and say that was a disaster. <laughs> Let's never do that again. But maybe uh, if, if the, the results are... Uh, similar to what we're used to, or even better, uh, I think teams are going to look at that and say, "Geez, maybe we do need to change the way we do things a little bit."
1: You think that that, that the you know the COVID nineteen uh, pandemic was the big reason why we didn't get a trade until what thirteen fourteen? Uh, the space and I wouldn't really even call it a trade. They just swapped picks. There was really nothing that happened there. It wasn't like somebody in the twenties moved up to thirteen to make a choice. Yeah. Tampa Bay jumped up one spot to get their guy as opposed to anyone else, you know, jumping up five spots, six spots. Some of those big, you know, blockbuster trades where we see somebody in the twenties trade this year's pick and next year's and you know three other picks to get into the top five to get that pass rusher that they desperately need, uh, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I think teams kind of retreated to their corners to a certain degree. Um and, you know, I did better on my mock draft than I expected this year. When I did my final mock draft, I didn't have any degree of certainty, but what I ended up doing with it is just I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna overthink it. I'm gonna go, this team needs this. Here's this player. It's a fit. I'm gonna do that. And it seemed to work out. Um, yeah. So I think teams kind of just got back to basics and, and you know, they, they looked at the player pool, they looked at their needs and found the best fit. And even the picks that I got wrong early in the mock draft, I had them, they still took an offensive the tackle. They maybe just took a different offensive tackle. Sure. They, they need, they took a receiver, they took a different receiver. So uh, yeah, it was a pretty chalky draft. And, and I'm sure the, the situation with COVID 19, uh, played a role in that, so uh, I think teams were maybe a little bit more risk adverse this year than they normally would have been.
1: Right. So right off the bat, uh, Green Bay trading up for Jordan Love. What do you what do you think about that one?
0: I don't mind that pick. I don't like what Green Bay did, but that, but I don't mind that pick um, uh-huh. because I, I think one of the best lines they I heard, I've, I've ever heard is the worst time to be looking for a quarterback is when you need one. Yeah, uh, this is what smart organizations do. They're thinking two, three steps ahead, and you know the Packers have secured the long-term future of that position now with a guy they really like and and a better talent than they probably should have a right to get for the as good of a team as they are right now. And it's a great situation for love too because you know, he's raw. He needs time and he's going to get at least a couple years now in Green Bay. And, and I understand Aaron Rodgers isn't happy. Uh, nobody likes to see their, their successor brought in, but that's the job of the general manager to, to keep their eye on the future. So I don't mind that pick at all. Uh, I think that was a good fit in terms of value. Um, uh, now, I think the Packers screwed up their day two mightily. And okay. they're, they're, they didn't bring in a wide receiver to help Aaron Rodgers. Right. So I definitely have some, some big myths to pick with what the Packers <laughs> did, but not necessarily the Jordan love pick
1: yeah that was going to be my next question was like what do you think of the rest of their draft because I think if you if you set Aaron Rodgers aside that is a good choice for them he's you know like you said he's raw he's a good pick as far as you know this this was a 13 and three team that was one game away from the Super Bowl Jordan Love is not going to help them this year and I think maybe that's what most Packer fans are upset about. Is that Jordan Love isn't going to get us to the Super Bowl in 2020, but um, you know T. Martin might have been able to, or D. Martin, whatever his name was, the wide receiver that was still on the board at the time, or any of the other wide receivers that were still there in a historically deep wide receiver draft. The Packers didn't take one at all throughout the entire process,
0: and they still could have addressed it. That's my biggest problem. Both yeah, of their D2 picks, I think, were two of the worst picks in the entire draft, but. They still, they they could have had their cake and eaten it too. They could have brought in that young quarterback and, and still brought in that immediate help that Rogers needs. And um, you know, I don't know if you want to get into it now, but their second round pick, AJ Dillon, the running back from Boston college. Yeah. Not only was that at least a round, if not two or three rounds too early, but I mean, AJ Dillon's he's a dinosaur. You know, if this were 20, 30 years ago, he'd be a lot more attractive of a prospect, but he just does not fit the way the NFL is going or, the Packers offense I mean he's a, a one-dimensional power runner um so I, I just really didn't like that pick uh and then in the third round they took Josiah Deguara fullback slash tight end from Cincinnati who I thought was more of a fifth round pick I'm definitely not a believer of taking H backs in the top 100 overall pits I don't think that gives you <laughs> a lot of bang for your buck I mean they basically use their second and third round picks on a on a running fullback and a pass catching fullback. Um, I, I, so apparently the Packers are really going to feature the fullback position. Um, there's not much speed or playmaking ability or athleticism a wide receiver. Um, I mean, it's hard to believe they didn't draft a single wide receiver in all seven rounds. Yeah, I um, it's incredible. I think I saw a stat that Aaron Rodgers throughout his entire NFL career, he's only thrown one touchdown pass to a first round pick.
1: Yeah, and it I wasn't mean, a that... Green Bay. It wasn't a Green Bay pick. It was Mercedes yeah. Lewis who came there as a free agent.
0: I mean, that just defies logic. I mean, th- th- that's almost impossible not to do. So, you know, they, th- their trend of not really supporting Aaron Rodgers continues. And that's not to say Aaron Rodgers hasn't had some good pass catchers. Devontae Adams was a second-round pick. Randall Cobb. But they've never really made that huge investment. And this was a perfect opportunity uh, to do that in the second or third round. And um, th- th- they went with Dylan and DeGuara. So, uh, I think they, they left themselves uh, ripe for criticism. Uh, and they had some picks on day three that I did like. But. But Dylan and Jaguar, I think those were probably the two of my least favorite picks of the entire draft.
1: Sure. Were, were there any other picks that kind of made you scratch your head or somebody that had a draft that was just like, yeah, they they missed on almost every one of these picks, in my opinion?
0: Um, I mean, the Seahawks did some unorthodox things, but that's not unlike them. They kind right. of marched to the their own drummer on draft day. Uh, the other pick that, that kind of uh, shocked me was uh, the Raiders taking Tanner Mews, uh, the linebacker safety from Clemson at number 100 overall there again i thought he was a mid-round pick and i think he can help a team it's just is he a starter because I, in the top three rounds i want to draft starting players i want to draft impact players and i kind of view tanner muse as more of a backup special teams ace so so we'll see what type of role they have planned for him He's, he is a little bit of a tweener but i mean if he didn't run that four, five, four, four, one at the scouting combine I don't think he goes nearly that early. So so that was another pick that that had me kind of scratch my head. And, and then in the first round, of course, uh, Damon Arnett, the cornerback from Ohio State, going 19 overall.
1: <laughs> that was the Bears uh, that, that
0: pick. To me, that was the biggest surprise of the first round. Uh, I thought he was going to be a mid-to-late second rounder. At one point, I had him going late in the first round, but some off-the-field issues there with Arnett. He didn't run nearly as well as expected. Uh, so 19 was early, and, and I thought we might see some corners get pushed up. Because there were some teams in the back half of the first round that had a need at that position, but Arnett was not one of the names that we thought was in the mix. And you know, obviously the Raiders really liked him, and they didn't have a second round pick; they weren't going to get him in the third, so they wanted him. They were going to have to reach a little bit, but I don't know who else in the first round was taking Damon Arnett. So at the very least, I would have liked to have seen them trade down a little bit and maximize value of that pick.
1: Yeah, that was the the last, uh, actually the third rounder was the last of the. That was the second of the Khalil Mack first round picks from the Bears, was number 19, the one where they took uh, Arnett. Because that was all over Twitter as far as Bears and Raiders. Twitter was like, okay, the draft is over. Here is the Khalil Mack trade. And kind of Are you still happy it. with
0: Khalil Mack? Or I am. Trading for Damon you know, Arnett? I
1: think I, – you know what? I talked to a Raiders fan uh, the other day. I think you and I even – I mentioned this to you last week when we were talking about um, – you know, the 83 draft and Elway and all that kind of stuff. I had a Raiders fan on the show to talk about a what if scenario with that. And uh, he asked me the same thing. Are you happy with the Khalil Mack trade? And I was like, I believe 2020 is the rubber match for that trade, because clearly the bears won the trade in 2018. Mack was a beast. It boosted our defense. We went 12 and four, made a playoff run, won the division and all that. 2019, it showed the like the weakness of our of our roster, the holes that needed to be filled, because the entire league started double teaming, triple teaming, Khalil Mack, and nobody could step up to help him. So he was always facing a three to four man wall. And he still led the team in sacks with seven and a half or eight or what he ended up with. But clearly with Josh Jacobs and and such and their improvement from one year to the next, the Raiders won the trade in twenty nineteen. 2020 is the rubber match. I think whoever wins, whoever comes out on top this year, I think overall wins the trade. Now that the trade is complete and we know who got swapped for what, I think this is the first year where we'll really be able to say who's actually winning the trade. So Yeah, and
0: I mean, if you put Cleo Mack in the strap, what is he, the second or third overall pick? You know, so yeah, yeah. The, the Bears did all right for themselves. They did think okay. They that trade every yeah. time.
1: Yeah, I, I think they'd be happy with, you know, if, if they could get Khalil Mack at 19, they'd be okay with that. So, um, yeah, so um, any other, like, well, so we talked about some 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 teams that, that, you know, did not dazzle you. Anybody that knocked it out of the park this year?
0: I mean, I like what most teams did. Even the teams that I think did poorly, I can find positives in their draft classes. But, um, you know, a few that stand out, uh, a couple that do well every year for me are the Baltimore Ravens and the right. Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, you know, they're as steady as you're ever going to find in the NFL draft when it comes to addressing their needs and getting good value for their picks. So, so they definitely stand out. Uh, but the Dallas Cowboys too. I mean, you know, they took the best player available in the first round and CD lamb, the wide receiver from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And then the concern was, oh, are they going to get a cornerback? We thought maybe they'd reach for a cornerback in the first round because they had such a dire need at that position, but they, they kind of kept their powder dry, waited. And sure enough, Trayvon Diggs, the cornerback from Alabama, fell into their laps in the second round at number 51 overall. And, you know, that, that's a guy, Larry, that I think he was maybe hurt by the this, this situation in the world more than any other prospect because he didn't he opted not to accept a senior bowl invite, even though he was healthy. So teams didn't get a chance to see him there. Uh, he did not run at the scouting combine, so teams didn't get a chance to answer that, that big question everybody had about him uh, in terms of his long speed. I mean, if he had performed at those events, I think he could have been a top twenty overall pick. Hmm. Uh, instead, they get him in the middle of the second round. So I thought that was a great pick. And then later on, they got another corner in Reggie Robinson, the second from Tulsa, another big cover guy who was a ball hawk and playmaker in the secondary. So they uh, they not only got a really good player in the first round, they still managed to address that that huge glaring need of theirs. And then Tyler Biotish, the center from Wisconsin in the fourth round. Not quite the prospect that we thought he was going to be at one point in his college career, but in the fourth round, it's hard to argue with that value. And he's got a chance to come in, and at the very least, he's going to be a valuable swing backup at guard and center. And, um, you know, with Travis Frederick retiring, he's got a chance to compete for that starting job in the pivot. So I think the Cowboys did really well too. But literally every team I could give you a positive with. But, but those are a few that, that really stand out for me that they kind of hit it all the park.
1: Yeah, I think uh, the Cowboys had a good draft probably because, you know, uh, Jerry Jones was in the literal lap of luxury uh, for the draft. I mean, what a baller move. Yeah, I'm going to be making my picks from this $250 million uh, luxury yacht. That's mine and no one else's. I mean, you know, it was like everybody thought Horrible. that Cliff Kingsbury was living like a king. And then the actual king showed up and it's like, <laughs> yeah. We we all know Jerry, you're the richest guy in the room. Your wallet's fatter than everyone else's. Congratulations! So, and you know yeah.
0: Jerry loved that too because he got oh, to make all the calls himself. Yeah. this is what that's this is gonna be an every year thing for him.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's just like everybody's getting like everything goes back to normal. Everybody's gonna be in the war room. Jerry's just gonna be with his feet up on the couch in the sofa and in, in the in the yachts, making all the calls. Uh, Especially from there. since he's
0: getting such positive reviews for what he did.
1: Yeah. Like, I oh yeah!
0: Feed you guys all along,
1: see. Best and worst thing all at the same time. You know, he figured out he can do do it himself. I bet even somebody like Jones, he'd be like, "Okay, here we are. We're on the clock, and all communication is cut off at one minute, and then I do whatever the hell I feel like from that on. I make the choice. I make the call, and uh, and that's it." So, yeah, I could totally see Jones doing that uh, in the uh, in the future. So, but you mentioned the Ravens and the Steelers. The thing that's always impressed me about the Steelers. And the Ravens is like they almost never move up or down in the board. They always seem to make the best choice for whatever hit you know, wherever, whatever they, they that lands to them. Like I thought Ozzie Newsom was probably one of the best drafters I've ever seen, and all the guy ever did was sit and wait and the best prospect or the best fit always just seemed to fall into his lap.
0: Well, that's just it. That's why they didn't have to maneuver around because they would just stand pat and, and they, they, they would wait for somebody to fall into their laps. And, and and I think that's very much played out for both the Ravens and Steelers in this draft uh, uh, because there's always good players available. Uh, so they take advantage of other people's mistakes. And, uh, you know, the Ravens, they shored up inside linebacker with Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison. Mm-hmm. Uh, they shored up the future of their running game with J.K. Dobbins. Remember, I mean, in the playoffs, they really struggled when Mark Ingram got hurt. So yeah. So that won't be an issue going forward. They got another speed receiver and weapon for that offense, Lamar Jackson, and Devin Duvernay, the wide receiver from Texas. Um, In the late rounds, they got James Crochet, the wide receiver from SMU, who's one of my favorite players in this draft. So they did a really nice job. And then the Steelers, I mean, their third-round pick, Alex Highsmith, is just a perfect fit for what they look to do there. Um, And and I think he's going to be a really good pass rusher for them. Uh, Chase Claypool, the wide receiver from Notre Dame. Uh, they were looking for a playmaker. Uh, they're, again, one of my favorite players in this class. And then the, the guy to watch out for in the fourth round on day three, Kevin Dotson, the offensive guard from Louisiana, who wasn't invited to the scouting combine. In, on my scouting combine snub article, he was number one on the list. He was the guy who was most surprised. Didn't get an invite to Indy. Wound up going in the fourth round. And uh, Roman Foster retired. I t- Ramon Foster retired. And I think Dotson's going to have a chance to compete for a starting job there in Pittsburgh. So... Uh, the Ravens and Steelers—they always do well, and, and this year was no exception.
1: Yeah, like I, I just—I just always kind of sat and and marvel at watching, uh, you know, watching what the Ravens do, especially the Ravens, because it just seems like everyone's moving up and down the board, trading away their future to get this guy now, and then you know, years of now and row will tell us that, that wasn't the best thing. But Ozzie Newsome just sat there with his hands folded in his lap. And this player fell there, and that guy was a Pro Bowl player or a hell of a starter for him, and, and all that kind of stuff. And 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 maybe the Raven, uh, the Ravens, kind of learned their lesson. They kind of got they got burned in some in some moves and, and things like that. And in, in the past, so I don't know. Maybe that's what what you know, like they they learned a lesson by making a move they shouldn't have or or something like that. But I like I, I was just I always kind of sit like in frustration and watch, but like man, how did how did they do that? They just sit there and they exercise such patience and then the best player on the board always seem to fall into their into their lap. So I've always got to Well, that's had, it with the
0: Ravens you, yeah. and the Steelers too. You never, you never say about one of their picks, oh, they took him a round or two early. It's always, yeah. oh, wow, that guy was still there. They took him. I, he could have gone a round earlier. He could have gotten two rounds earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's always the case with the Ravens and Sears. They always maximize the value of their picks.
1: All right, so let's move on to the to the main event. This is why you're here, Scott. We uh, you know, we, we, we brought you in here to talk about the, our beloved uh, Chicago Bears, and uh, especially this year because we had seven draft choices and all but the first two were day three choices, so three in the fifth, two in the seventh. I mean, it didn't start that way, but that's how it uh, ended up, and a lot of these guys weren't exactly on Mel's top guy left on the board list so it wasn't somebody that they were talking about and then he got picked uh kind of thing it was more like they were talking about him after uh the choices were made but right off the top uh 43 and uncharacteristic of ryan pace he did staring stand firm in the second round didn't trade back didn't trade up thank god and uh we landed cole Comets, uh what was more or less the consensus top tight end in the draft out of notre dame it's going to be catching passes for my bears
0: yeah makes a lot of sense and he had been linked to the bears for a long time when when they signed jimmy graham there was maybe some doubt there well will they take a tight end early but it just makes so much sense it was a position that they were just completely deficient at last year just had all kinds of headaches won't be a problem now going forward they have the kind of short-term and long-term solutions in-house and uh as you said commit i think was the consensus top tight end in this class came up the board right about where we expected him to and some untapped potential there because you know he's his focus has been split between football and baseball during right. his college career um, and, and now that he can kind of focus on building his body and, and developing his uh, game on the gridiron his best football is still ahead of him so you know I mean is, is he going to be Travis Kelsey no he's not going to be that type of weapon but can he be a good solid reliable all-around weapon at the position absolutely and I think you know when you have questions at quarterback having a good tight end goes a long way. So I think that was a really good pick for the Bears. Uh, it, it hit on the value and need, and that, that's the two things I judge drafts by. You know, you've know, you got to wait three years to really judge a draft, but right after I look at did they address needs, did they get value for their picks, and, and I think Komet hits on both regards for the Bears.
1: Okay. And then at 50, um, there were a lot of really good safeties on the board, and I think that was – I mean – Secondary was an immediate need for the Bears. They, you know, with with, uh, Prince of Mukamura gone, HaHa Clinton-Dix signing with the Cowboys uh, and everything, they could have gone either way. I would have preferred a safety at the time, especially considering guys like Jeremy Chen and and such were still on the board. Antonio Winfield Jr. was still on the board. Instead, they go with Jalen Johnson, of course, a guy I've never heard of uh, before, but it's like after hearing about the pick, A lot of people talking like if this guy hadn't just had shoulder surgery he would have been a first round pick the bears got a steal here
0: yeah i I think you're right i think the only reason he was available where he was was that uh, that that injury uh and and i talked about how i thought some corners might get pushed up in the first round and he was one of them i thought maybe he could sneak into the top 20 to 25 overall so to get him at 50 i think was really good value uh we talked before the draft how the bears needed some reinforcements in that secondary and uh Johnson's a really good player uh so so uh a really good value pick there uh and um like I said it, and it hit the knee too we, we talked about secondary and I'm yeah. with you I, I thought maybe they'd lean a little bit more towards safety in the corner but obviously they were comfortable with what they had at safety because they they used a couple of their uh, precious picks on uh corners
1: yeah and then they shine uh signed to Gibson uh yesterday who was let go by the uh texans now he's in the bears on a a one-year prove-it deal so maybe that will be the maybe that was the plan all along like we know we got dips gibson in our back pocket let's go and get the the corner that we need to be our other bookend with kyle fuller so um but it's like i wasn't a fan of the choice at the time but that's just my overall ignorance to be completely honest but after hearing not just bear fans and and you know such talk about it but hearing people outside of the bears circle saying yeah the the bears might have you know, they definitely got a guy who's more than likely going to be a day one starter uh for them but also somebody that got picked in the second round that had first round value and uh is probably going to be a hell of a player for them
0: well and put, a, put it in perspective uh, i had jalen johnson as my number five cornerback in this class uh whereas damon arnett who went 19th overall he was my ninth cornerback so uh, and they were kind of tightly lumped together. But um, but I, I definitely think if you would ask uh, poll people who follow the draft in the league going into draft day, who's going to come off the board first, Jalen Johnson or Damon Arnett, I think just about everybody would have said Jalen Johnson, except maybe Mike Mayock and the Raiders apparently. <laughs> but uh, So, yeah, I mean, really good
1: value. Right. So now we, uh, we move on. 105 picks later, uh, the Bears are finally back on the board. Uh, Again, 155 overall. The Bears take outside linebacker Travis Gibson out of uh, Tulsa, and I just watched a video. uh, You know, Ryan Pace talking it over with the the radio play by man uh, play by play man Jeff Joniak seemed real excited about Gibson and what he could be bringing to the table for him.
0: Yeah, he's an interesting guy uh, who's been really shaping reshaping his body over the course of his college career and. Didn't work out particularly well uh, at the scouting combat. I think he only ran like a 4.92 or something in that range. But I think he's far more athletic, and, and he plays faster than that. Um, a pretty good solid frame. He's 6'3.5", 260 pounds. Uh, and, and I think his best football is still ahead of him and, and a productive pass rusher. So, you know, if you're looking for a pass rush, there weren't a lot of good options on day three, but mm-hmm. Gibson was one of them and to the point where, I thought maybe he snuck into the top 100. I wouldn't have been shocked if he had snuck into day two, and I thought worst case early day three. So uh, to get him uh, in the fifth round, I think was a pretty good value. Uh, and and I don't know that he's got double digit sack upside necessarily, but uh, I definitely think he's got that. He's got an opportunity to to outperform that draft slot. So yeah, I mean if you were looking at the 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 landscape and said okay, who are going to be the best pass rushers available on day three? Uh, I think Gibson would have absolutely been on that short list.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm oddly optimistic about all three of our fifth-round picks because Ryan Pace has been oddly successful in the fifth round in his time as general manager, uh, you know, for the Bears. We got Bilal Nichols in the fifth round, Jordan Howard uh, in the fifth round, and I'm sure there's maybe one or two other guys that I can't remember right now. But, you know, just, just to name a couple, those were fifth-round choices that ended up becoming contributors, uh, and you know, starters for that matter, uh, for uh, the Bears. So a guy like Travis Gibson, the, the Kendall Vildor, who I swear to God, I thought was one of the Key and Peel all stars uh, <laughs> with a name like that. But then I was that was trumped later on with our seventh round picks, Arlington Hambright and Lachievius Simmons. Those were I was like, yeah, this they're pulling my leg. I'm, I'm waiting for Key and Peel to come walking out there. But, you know, those three guys in, in the fifth round, especially that wide receiver Darnell Mooney. Um, you know, talking about his speed, like he's a little on the lighter side, but he is lightning in a bottle as far as his speed is concerned.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I really like Kendall Vildor, uh, the cornerback uh, out of Georgia Southern. I actually got a chance to see him a number of times throughout the process. Early on in the senior year, I saw him play uh, the University of Minnesota. And, of course, they've got some really good receivers, and Tyler Johnson, who was drafted, Rashad Bateman. I thought he really held his own. Uh, I was impressed with him down at the senior bowl. Uh, good, not great size, but, uh, he plays bigger. He's really feisty. Um, good speed and athleticism. He ran a four, four, he jumped almost 40 inches. Um, does he profile as a starter? Probably not. I think he's more of a nickel in the NFL, but I think he can really excel, uh, in in that phase of the game. So I really like Kendall Vildor and then Darnell Mooney is a guy who really, I think went as early as he did by running as well as he did the combine. He ran that four, three, eight. And, um, I question the upside there. Uh, Is he going to be a number one, number two, or even number three receiver? I'm not sure. I think he's probably more of a three, four, five, somewhere in that range. Um, So kind of a role player, but um, I think he's going to bring some much needed speed to that wide receiver core in Chicago and give them some, a little bit more of a vertical threat. So that's something they really needed. So, uh, you know, that, that was probably the high end of his range, but not necessarily a huge reach by any stretch, but, um, but I, I think, uh, if I were you know Gibson and Vildor I think were really good picks a little bit more fringy but I'm with you I think they did well in the fifth round
1: yeah and like I said I've 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 kind of got like an an odd confidence about Ryan Pace and his ability to find players uh in day three because he's I, I think he's hit on at least one day three guy since he started I mean of course 2017 we got um Tariq Cohen and Eddie Jackson uh, on day three, so it's like you, you can't do much better uh, than that uh, with those guys uh, to get uh, mainline starters in the fourth round, uh, and, and uh, you know Bilal Nichols was a hell of a rookie for us in 2018. I mean everybody had a bad year uh, last year, so that doesn't really count in my opinion. But you know I'm 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 uh, I've got good confidence in what uh, what we what we may have on our hands in the fifth rounders because Pace has been really good at uh, that in the past. And then our seventh rounders. The talk that I've heard about uh, Hambright is that um, maybe he's more talented in the seventh round. Had he been at like one school, I heard he transferred like three or four times or something like that throughout his entire college career.
0: Yeah, both those seventh round blockers are developmental types. Yeah, Um, and he he was a uh, Hambright was a a graduate transfer from Oklahoma State, and he was a JUCO guy. So yeah, he bounced around a little bit. Um, but he's got a good frame um he's a good athlete he moves well and i think the value there is you got some upside to develop but i think the value there is uh, a backup a guy who can maybe back up multiple positions for you give you that depth save a roster spot on game day can see action at guard or tackle so um he was definitely a guy i had added to the rankings late because he'd come onto the radar that he might be selected uh, and then lachavius simmons uh, out of tennessee state uh traditionally a really good small school program a lot of good players have come out of there um going back to to dominique rogers primardi and a bunch of names over the years uh and, and their offensive line coach down there is really very respected and he speaks very highly to simmons who's also a really good athlete um doesn't have great bulk uh he's only shade under i think he's about 290 pounds but um a really good athlete and i'm sure they got a really strong recommendation so you know, that's the type of guy you take a flyer on. And, and he's he's more of a true guard, whereas Hambright's more of a, a tackle-slash-guard. But a couple of talented blockers that have some tools to work with. Uh, I'm not sure I'm betting any money on them earning starting jobs uh, in in the near future. But there's certainly some opportunity there in Chicago to to compete for for primary backup jobs, at least. So, um, you know, I, I don't have any problems with those picks. There's such a fine line between being a, a, a seventh-round pick and a priority-free agent. I think both those guys were... We're in that conversation, and, and I think the offensive line was definitely an area where uh, the Bears needed to to bring in some reinforcement and and start developing guys. And you can make an argument: did they wait too long? I mean, I understand they didn't have a lot of draft capital, but I don't know if either Handwright or Simmons is going to give them uh, the type of impact they might need, at least from one blocker this upcoming season. And then my other criticism too is: where's that quarterback? They didn't draft a quarterback at any point. Yeah. And, I have a feeling we're going to be talking quarterbacks for the Bears a year from now. Yeah,
1: yeah I think you're. Uh, think you're probably right uh, about that. I mean, especially since you know, all throughout in any one of the three choices that the Bears made, I believe Jake Fromm was still on the board. When you know, I've seen mock drafts that had the Bears taking Fromm at fifty uh, and things like that. For him to still be in there in the one fifties. I felt like it was a no-brainer, especially since this is the quote of Ryan Pace's that will never die, is that this is the guy that said in one of his early press conferences, I think it's a good idea to draft a quarterback every year. And then aside from drafting Trubisky in 2017, he has drafted zero quarterbacks. So uh, in, in a draft like this one where a guy like Fromm just fell down the board one round after another, For him to fall into our laps when we didn't have a pick between round two and round five, and he's still on the board, not taking him, I thought was a mistake.
0: Well, the good news is I think we're going to have at least three first-round quarterbacks next year. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence from Clemson is going to go number one. Uh, Justin Fields from Ohio State I think is going to be a first-rounder. But then keep an eye on Trey Lance from North Dakota State. He's only a redshirt sophomore. But uh, I tell you what, this guy has a lot. Of buzz and and he's he's going to be a, a darling of of the draftnik community as as we go through this process because he's so toolsy um and and uh, just one year of experience behind him but from the same pro- program that produced Carson Wentz nobody's talking about Trey Lance much right now but but keep an eye on that name if the if the Bears want to go get a quarterback from the Midwest um, and Trey Lance is a plays at North Dakota State he's actually from my uh, backyard uh, he played high school here in Minnesota. So uh, that's a name to keep an eye on if you're a bears fan for next year.
1: What did you overall think of of our of our draft choices? I mean, because I didn't necessarily have a problem with the guys that we took. It's just that at the time, I would have preferred somebody else now, maybe that's just my 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 like I said my ignorance as a draft analyst because I'm not one, but it's like when when the Bears were on the board at forty three I was thinking uh antoine winfield uh junior i was thinking jeremy chin uh you know or any or an offensive lineman that was still on the board at the time and instead we go with cole Komet. okay well we need a tight end so that's not a bad pick i would have preferred this and then again at 50 winfield is still there chin is still there we go corner like uh, okay great like, well we needed some edge depth and we got we didn't we had to wait until the fifth round we got gibson okay great but we still haven't taken an offensive lineman like we just got done talking about Jake from some, you know, maybe a developmental prospect, a, a guy that probably shouldn't be there in the fifth round is there. We pass on him. We don't take a quarterback. You know, it just seemed like what I would have preferred the Bears do. They went the opposite way, and we'll find out over time how that worked out. But what did you, as someone who does this for a living, think overall of how the Bears did on on draft weekend?
0: I guess the word I would use to describe this draft for the Bears is solid. Okay. Um, you know, I, I don't know how much upside there is. There's not a lot of flash to it. I don't know how many right. Pro Bowlers or double-digit touchdown scores or double-digit sack guys they're going to get out of this. But you know, they're going to be guys. that are going to be sol- that You know, like Komet and Johnson, especially. They're going to come in and and be solid players for them. Um, and, and then on day three, they got guys who are going to fill a role. Gibson's going to be a situational pass rusher. is going to be a backup DB. Mooney's going to be a, a backup receiver who can stretch the field a little bit. But I don't know how many guys in there outside of Comet and Johnson that I look at and say, yeah, these guys are starters long-term. So um, I I think the Bears did a good, not great job, and obviously that was uh, by their lack of ammunition. That was impacted by the lack of picks they had, and you have to factor in getting Cleo Mack. (laughs) You can't just leave him out of the equation. Yeah, Uh, He's a big part of this draft class as well. So um, I guess, yeah, I guess my criticisms would be that not a lot of high upside picks, more role players, and then, Couple of positions they didn't necessarily adequately address, whether it be the offensive line, um, quarterback. I mean, I was I was never a big Jake Fromm fan, so I, I wouldn't kill him for passing on him. It's just I would have brought in a quarterback at some point. I and mean, if everything goes bad and the wheels fall off, I want a quarterback that I can throw in there at the end of the season just to see maybe I have something in him. Sure. Um, but but I, I you know as much as I would I, I'm uncertain as I am about the Bears' quarterback situation. You know, if you couldn't get one of those top three, four guys, uh, there's nobody in this class that I had such a huge conviction on that I would have said you have to go get him. He's, he's your starting quarterback of the future. You missed him. Um, so I, I do understand from that regard, but I would have liked to have seen, especially the offensive line, I would have rather than just bringing in a couple developmental guys late. But, but with the picks that they had, you can only address so many areas. So, yeah. uh, like I say, I think they did good, not great, but my biggest criticism would just be maybe that lack of, of, of major impact potential.
1: Sure, sure. So now let's move on real quick to the undrafted uh, free agents. And aside from a few more Key and Peel All-Stars, was there anybody um, amongst the the list that you were that you thought was a good move or, or, or a good addition or this could be somebody that could be somebody for the Bears?
0: Yeah, yeah, I got their list in front of me here. And, of course, they, they signed uh, Cleo Max, little brother, out of right. Buffalo, the Darius Max. Uh, but, but a couple of names that stand out for me, uh, one, Keandre Jones, a linebacker from Maryland. Uh, he transferred from Ohio State for his senior year. Couldn't really get on the field at Ohio State. and Had a good year from Maryland. I actually got to see him in person uh, this past season. So I like Keandre Jones, really undersized. Uh, he's only about 220 pounds, but he's a good athlete. So I thought that was an interesting pick. And then the other one that kind of jumps out at me is Ahmaud Wagner, the wide receiver from Kentucky, who's a former college basketball player. Only played one year of, of college football there at Kentucky, but but definitely showed something. Uh, could potentially profile as a, a wide receiver or a tight end at the next level, a good athlete with a big frame. So I think that's an interesting developmental pick. Probably a guy who needs to go on a practice squad. Uh, so those two definitely stand out. Uh, Lee Autry, the defensive tackle from Mississippi State, as well, a guy who had some off the field issues. But um, so. So a pretty good class, but, but Wagner Wegner and and Keandre Jones are two guys that let's jump out for me, uh, in, in terms of the priority free agents they, they brought in.
1: What about uh, Lakeo London? Because not only is this is this a Chicago area kid, but he also went to my alma mater of Western Illinois. The last Western Illinois guy to make it into the league won a Super Bowl, uh, with the Chiefs in in um, uh, Colin Saunders. Colin so Saunders, yeah. yeah, he was a third round pick, uh, for them last year. How about my guy, uh, LaCale? Can I, should I, I be expecting anything from him this year?
0: He's definitely not on the same level as Colin Saunders from that same right. program, but, uh, he's a little undersized. I think he was bulked up to almost 300 pounds during the pre-draft process, uh, or when he was at the NFL PA game. So he was able to bulk up a little bit, uh, more of a quick penetrating guy on the interior, probably more of a situational rotational guy on the interior, but a very different player from uh, type of player from a uh, Colin saunders both in terms of the style and and just the, the the level of prospect they are.
1: All right. So where was Artavis Pierce? Uh, and the only reason I ask is as I was uh typing this out, I forgot to add the school that he was from. So I got a running back, five eight or 5'11", 208 pounds. Artavis Pierce, where's he from?
0: Oregon State. Oregon, Oregon State. I had him as my number forty running back. So he was on that kind of priority free agent. Uh, Maybe late-round fringe. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, you said the measurables. The guy who was at the NFLPA All-Star Game. Uh, more of a, a speed back. Uh, so a guy who could come in and compete for a roster spot. Um, but but probably, I, I guess I'll be a little surprised if he makes a roster. But but definitely a guy who was on the radar and just off that draftable uh, fringe at that position.
1: And and then finally, was, was there somebody drafted, just general draft uh, question, that could be like the, the Gardner Minshew of the of the draft you know this sixth round guy that was kind of forced into duty but we find out through necessity that he's actually a, a decent football player and might be able to help I me mean, he's the starting quarterback for the for the Jaguars that's why Nick Foles is on my team right now
0: yeah absolutely uh, and, and I don't see that at the quarterback position uh-huh. um, I, I just don't see that there but um, I'm trying to think who in the like the late rounds that it's going to really outperform I mean I look at the fourth round, the Washington Redskins took Sadiq Charles, uh, the offensive tackle LSU. That could be their left tackle of the future. That could be Trent Williams' replacement if he keeps his head on straight. He has the talent to do that. So, I mean, if you got your starting left tackle in the fourth round, I mean, that's a tremendous value. So that's one day three pick that kind of stands out for me. Um, I think the, the, the Packers, for as much as I criticize them, they've got a few pretty good offensive linemen on day three. And I like John Runyon from Michigan. I like Simon Stepaniak from Indiana. So, I would not be surprised if a couple of those offensive linemen, the Packers, if one of those offensive linemen the Packers got on day three, winds up stepping in and 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 uh, make and maybe competes for a starting job. Um, you know, so th- so those two definitely stand out, but but really every position there's there, there's somebody. Um, I'm trying to think who else really kind of stands out. You know, some of those pass rushers, Bradley and I uh, from Utah, fell to the Cowboys in the fifth round. I had thought he had a chance to be a third round pick. So that's good value, and they certainly need some pass rush help. So I think he's going to have an opportunity to come in and and, and make an impact. But, uh, but yeah, so, so those are a few picks. But certainly, I mean, finding that value on day three uh, is, is crucial. And, you know, if there is going to be a quarterback, I, I think the interesting guy was Jacob Eason from Washington, who went to the Colts in the fourth round, Right, a really good fit for what they're t- trying to do. Um, and certainly Phillip Rivers is nearing the end of his career, is only on a one-year deal. Jacoby Brissett is entering the last year of his contract. So it's a good situation for Eason, who's really raw but really talented. I mean, physically, he's got the size, the arm strength, and that's a guy, you know, if you let him sit and learn for a year, you could really have something there. So if there's going to be a Gardner Minshew at the quarterback position, I guess I'd probably point to, to Jacob Eason if he gets an opportunity. So, um, But but there really any of these – after the top four quarterbacks who all went in the first round, there just wasn't a signal caller in this class that I would really want to, um, you know, put all my money on. Uh, there was nobody I was just infatuated with that said, that I oh, got to get this guy. This guy could be your starting quarterback. I just have serious questions about whether it be Eason, whether it be from even James Morgan from Florida international. So I didn't love the, this, you know, second, third tier of quarterbacks in this class. So um so, so we'll we'll see if I, I'm not looking for anybody to have a Gardner Minshew type of uh, impact out of left field, but you never know.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough to forecast uh, something like that. I don't think even a year ago you would have said Gardner Minshew was going to be Gardner Minshew uh, for the for the Jaguars in, in 2019. I mean, who could have seen that coming? A, a sixth rounder to to a make the team, to make the team as the the backup, and then become the emergency starter and actually improve the offense when he gets out there uh yeah those those things are kind of difficult to uh, to kind of crystal and won
0: more games than the number one overall pick last year
1: yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> he sure did all right well scott who's on uh, you know you've already talked about you know trevor lawrence for next year and the other quarterbacks who else is um uh on the radar as far as being top prospect uh, next year because i th- didn't you put chase young as your number one overall prospect who's the chase young of next season
0: well it's it's probably it's either trevor lawrence from clemson obviously but the yeah. other guy in that conversation i think is penny sewell uh, the offensive tackle from oregon who's kind of a, a generational left tackle prospect mm. maybe the best uh blindside protector we've seen come along in, in, in quite a while so you know i think he's gonna be a top three pick i mentioned the quarterbacks. Um, to be another really good wide receiver class. You know, we saw a bunch of LSU uh, receivers and Alabama receivers go in the first round. We're going to see the same next year. Uh, Jamar Chase from LSU, um, he's a better prospect than Justin Jefferson, who went in the first round to the Vikings. Uh, Bama's got a couple more wide receivers, even though they had two top, uh, what, what, 15 overall picks in Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. They might have a couple more first rounders next year in Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. Uh, There's going to be a a better tight end next year. I think Pat Fryer moved from Penn State. Had he entered this draft, I think he would have been the top tight end off the board. So I think that's a position that's we're going to see much stronger next year, not only in terms of the top end talent, but the depth, uh, some good linebackers and Micah Parsons from Penn state and Dylan Moses from Alabama, uh, Ohio state, believe it or not, has got another first round cornerback and Sean Wade, who I think is a better player than Damon Arnett. We just went 19th overall. Uh, so lots of good players for next year's class. It's fun to kind of turn the page and start digging into this new group of players. Uh, Travis Etienne, from the running back from Clemson, might have been one of the first runners off the board. Had he come out, he was probably the biggest surprise of guys who went back for the senior year. So, um, you know, next year's going to be another really good class, and I'm, I'm ready to start digging into it. And, uh, uh, you know, I, the only advice I have for Bears fans is, is start uh, looking at these quarterback prospects, I'm afraid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things, man. I, I've, I've got very mixed feelings Uh, about it as much as i would love to get my hands on a trevor lawrence or a a justin fields i know that means i know what it means as far as what has to happen in 2020 for that to be a possibility you know or if the bears were going to get their hands on a trevor lawrence or a justin fields would it be another khalil mack trade that we'd have to do in order to put ourselves in a position to do that you know because the other thing like you're saying uh with this season you're not crazy about the quarterback position the other problem I have with it, and the fact that we didn't take a quarterback is that essentially we don't have a quarterback in 2021 right now because we're there. it would take a snowball's chance in hell for the Bears to pick up Mitch's fifth-year option. And if Nick Foles plays well, he can opt out of the last two years of his contract and be a free agent in 2021. And the only other quarterback we have on the roster is Tyler Bray, who's on the traditional one-year deal so as of right now we don't have a quarterback for 2021 so the bears could be painting themselves into a corner with the quarterback position either we're going to have to pay through the nose to bring somebody in or you know we're going to have to a have a bad season or again pay through the nose to trade and put ourselves in a position to get a good quarterback
0: well the good thing is after this season it's going to be clear what the bears need to do you know if if they need a quarterback it's gonna be very clear uh so so enough of this kind of spinning your wheels is Trubisky the guy let's bring in a a backup plan Foles I I just think they're spinning their wheels I think it's inevitable they're in the market for a quarterback a year from now and it's just a matter of how ugly things are going to get this year and you know whether they're gonna be in position to get one of those very top guys yeah or if they're gonna have to get creative with it but um I don't think there's I mean, of all the things for the 2021 NFL draft, if I were a betting man, one of the things I felt feel best about is that the Bears are going to be looking for a quarterback in the first round.
1: Sure. Okay. Well, then let's hope that, uh, you know, Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, has a bit of a dip so they can we can pick him in the teens or something. Uh, trade Lance, North Dakota you know. State. There you go. Yeah. You. yeah. Well, he'll be the Jordan Love of the draft. We'll trade up from 30 to 26 to get our hands on him and uh, see how our quarterback feels about that. I think I'd be happy with that scenario. But uh, Scott, as always, man, I really appreciate it. And uh, do you have the countdown for next year? Started already? Because I know that they just announced when next year's draft is officially going to be. So how many days till we're on the board again?
0: You better believe I got it counting down. I got right after the this draft started. So we got 357 days, 4 hours, 34 minutes, and 10 seconds. till There the you go. NFL draft.
1: There Chick-tom. you go. Only 357 days to go. So uh, Scott, we'll talk to you in about 340 days. How's that sound?
0: Sounds like a plan.
1: All right, Scott Wright from draftcountdown.com. dot Scott, you doing any podcasts or anything like that, or just doing stuff like this where you make appearances?
0: Yeah, just doing stuff like this. I just recently okay. did a, a podcast called the Scouts Honor Podcast with uh, my old friend Dave T. Thomas, who's a uh, who's one of the greats of the the NFL draft and scouting community. We we reviewed some stuff. So so yeah, I'm, I'm on podcasts here and there talking about all the teams. So just the uh, you know search for me watch my twitter feed i'll be posting them
1: all right scott thanks so much man we'll appreciate it and we'll uh we'll talk to you again about 340 45 days
0: my pleasure anytime
1: So there you have it—the 2020 review for my good friend Scott Wright. Like I said, hope to be talking to him in about 340 plus days uh, for the draft, which I think is in Cleveland next year. So, uh, so yeah, he's uh, he's already got the clock ticking uh, for the countdown to uh, to next year's uh, draft. And um, I don't know, you know, I, as much as I'd love to for the Bears to get their hands on a guy like Trevor Lawrence or a. Justin's uh, Justin Fields or maybe even that Trey Lance kid from North Dakota State could he possibly be the next Carson Wentz hopefully a lot healthier uh than Carson Wentz has been thus far for the uh, Eagles productive as though that guy has been uh he is a walking uh you know injury report but um you know it it it's <laughs> it means so many different things you know like we talked about uh with Scott will it mean that the Bears had a lousy enough season to put themselves in a position to draft one of those quarterbacks, which means we're most likely going to have a brand-new head coach, possibly a brand-new tight end, so a new regime which could be changing the entire face of the franchise that uh, Ryan Pace has been building for the last six seasons. Uh, Or will we have to pull off, like, another uh, Khalil Mack trade in order to move up to get our hands uh, on one of these kids? You know, that's... uh, Uh, something else uh, entirely you know will we be able will we sell out the future of the franchise for the next couple of years possibly longer with the ramifications and uh, you know sell off uh, a couple of first round picks and you know maybe some other guys and some other future draft choices like we did with the uh, Khalil Mack trade in order to get ourselves in a position to draft a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields or or something uh, like that so you know, I have no doubt the Bears will be uh, in in some kind of market for a quarterback, especially since we didn't take a a Jake Fromm or Jacob Eason, uh, you know, or maybe even a Anthony Gordon from like Washington State. I believe that's where he's from, or that kid from Florida uh, International, uh, you know, as a late round developmental prospect. Like I said with uh, with Scott, right now we don't really have a quarterback on the roster for twenty. 21 with I mean it's official now Mitch is going to be done after 2020 if he doesn't step up and become the man and if things go well for Nick Foles and he's the starter he's going to opt out and uh you know be on the free agent market a year from now so and of course Tyler Bray's on a one-year contract so he'll be a free agent as well so we're kind of like we're we're in this the same boat as the the Saints were where after the 2019 season Taysom Hill uh, Drew Brees and uh, Teddy Bridgewater will all free agents who's bringing who are they bringing back who's going to be the guy and all that kind of stuff obviously we're not in this with the same caliber uh, as though as the the guys the Saints have but we're in the same boat as in 2021 who are you penciling in to be the starter for the Bears in all likelihood that guy's not even on the roster right now so uh, it's, it'll be interesting uh, you know will the Bears have to pony up some dough and uh, go out there and get a guy and what kind of situation are we going to be in you know like i said a minute ago are we going to be in a another lousy season or god forbid another 500 or below year where it's time to maybe give somebody else a chance to to run the ship and we've got a you know what kind of coach uh, will be bring in and, and what kind of offense will he want to run and how will that alter what we already have in place so or Will we just be in the market for a quarterback looking for the guy that's going to complete the team and send us to the Super Bowl? So a lot of questions, a lot of scenarios and and all that kind of stuff uh, going into it. So, yeah, but uh, I I, I, I agree in some in some instance or some way that we'll be in the market for a quarterback in 2021. Uh, I just uh, I, I cringe to think of the reasons that we would be so. Uh, It could get ugly for us. It could get it could get ugly. So uh, anyway, I want to thank Scott for being on the show. Always enjoy having him on. He's my longtime guest, and he's been a guest on my show long, long, long time, longer than anybody, uh, quite frankly. So um, look forward to having him back, uh, you know, next spring to preview uh, the draft. And I think I might try to get him on earlier, like maybe before the uh, combine, to see what the board looks like before the combine maybe what it looks like after the combine just to maybe get myself a little bit more educated so i'm not as uh for lack of a better term ignorant going into the draft i mean it's outside of the guys that the experts talk about every day on sports center or nfl uh network you know i i don't really know anybody i mean you can probably start talking about guys in the second round that i've never heard of before so you know maybe i'll do that next year and see what the See what the board looks like before all of the all-star games and the combine and and how it's evolving throughout the process and you know where this guy was at the start of the process and did he help or hurt himself um you know did he help himself by not running did he help himself by going to the combine and so on uh and so forth you heard scott make an argument for both of those uh instances uh during the the review t- uh today so Maybe I'll do that next year instead of waiting just until right before the draft to have them on. Have them on before the combine, see how that goes. So, we'll see. But um, the next episode for us, if the NFL sticks to the date that they announced earlier, the next episode for us will be the schedule release show. Uh, usually, it's uh, it's, it they comes out about a week or two before uh, the draft, sometime in mid-April. Uh, but this year, it's uh, supposed to come out may 9th which is next saturday so i don't know why they would release it on a saturday but the night the 9th is a saturday so next saturday the 9th is when the, the the schedule will come out so possibly on saturday when it comes out maybe even sunday i mean if they're doing a if they're doing it on the 9th then uh there's probably going to be some kind of prime time special so yeah probably sunday maybe monday next week if the schedule does come out we'll do a schedule release show and talk about the uh talk about our opponents and uh, we know who we're playing we just don't know when and see how the dominoes fall and the path the Bears have to take in order to get themselves to the Super Bowl uh, this year so um, yeah we'll uh, we'll keep our eyes open for that if it isn't the schedule release show I don't know we'll uh, we'll have to see maybe we'll do another off the subject type thing uh, maybe bring my buddy Ryan Simmons back and uh, figure something out you know, I'll, I'll I'll create. Maybe I'll pull something out of thin air, like I did with uh, Q Myers a couple weeks ago. That what if scenario, if the Bears and the Raiders made the trade and the Raiders got themselves John Elway, how would that have altered the teams? Maybe I'll come up with something else and uh, see what uh, see what we can do. See what we can uh, have fun playing with. So, um, anyway, as usual, keep your eyes on the social media, BTU underscore Larry, on Twitter, or you can find us on the Facebook. Uh, with our Facebook group just search Bears Talk Underground on Facebook Uh, join the group get in on the discussion and uh, share your two piece your two uh, two cents and uh, yeah let's have some fun we got a long way to go before the season actually happens (laughs) if it's going to happen on time or what kind of schedule will it be pared down you know that kind of thing so anyway keep your eyes open I'll be back soon one way or the other and until then my name is Larry D and this has been the bear stock underground
0: there's no distance too far for the perfect trip hi checking in for or the perfect table hey where are you And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search And support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall.